Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show. Nick's PR just tweeting out a couple of moments ago that Julius underwent successful arthroscopic surgery yesterday. Don't you love the terminology whenever they report on, like, surgeries and this and that? Have we ever heard a story where a reporter or a player undergoing unsuccessful surgery? Like, what would be, what, how would it be deemed unsuccessful surgery? Like, if they would have to, like, amputate the ankle and, and like, cut his foot off, like, would that be unsuccessful? Or how about if they operated on the wrong ankle? Like, what if they operated on the right ankle instead of the left one, which actually, like, needed the fixing? That would probably be unsuccessful, right? This is the Dan Grosser Show. <laughs> he walks out of the hospital and's like, you know what, Doc? My ankle still hurts like hell. Well, which one did he say it was? What's the left one? Wait, it says here the right one. On 98.7 ESPN. Glad to hear Julius is on the up and up, though. Dan Grasso Show, it is the third and final hour of this Saturday morning extravaganza. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We're taking it right up until noon. Then we'll hand things over to Anita. Remember, you can get me on Twitter at Dan Grasso, G-R-A-C-A. On this Saturday, and hopefully it's a better Saturday on the old baseball field than Friday night was because it wasn't fun in Queens and it wasn't fun in L.A., depending on what side of the ledger you support. Mets were done in by their old buddy Chris Bassett. Offense went cold. Bassett was in charge last night. Verlander gave up a leadoff home run to his former teammate George Springer, but still got through six innings and didn't uh, give up any further damage. And I think all in all, it was a gutty performance by Verlander. You know, he, he he kept the team in the game. I mean, you only give up one run, should be enough, right? But the Mets' bats could not do anything, and their three-game winning streak comes to a close. They'll try to get back at it today with McGill this afternoon against Barrios. Yankees, on the other hand, you know, the best thing they did for you, if you're a Yankee fan, they allowed you to go to sleep early, and you didn't have to wait up until the end of it with that late-night game because Luis Severino was serving up batting practice to the Dodgers, giving up six runs in that first inning. Two of them left the yard. And uh, to me, uh, the big surprise was Severino actually made it through six innings. All right, not, excuse me, not six innings, gave up six runs. Only he made it through four innings. You know, so Boone didn't have to absolutely deplete his bullpen. You know, and plus with the day off that the Yankees had on Thursday, you figure that they're in some pretty decent shape. I think they have a day off on Monday as well, so they're going to be able to at least not have to go too deep and tax their arms. They should be in good shape here for the next couple of days, and you hope that today with Garrett Cole pitching, you know, he's going to be able to go deep into the ball game and not have to use that bullpen any further because tomorrow night you got Herman. That could be a little bit tricky, especially, you know, tonight and tomorrow, as a matter of fact. It's a 7 o'clock game here, so that means it's a 4 o'clock game out there. You start the, the shadows start to creep in a little bit at that time, so that could be a little bit dicey. You never know how that's going to play out there, but you want Cole to go out there in his uh, old stomping grounds there in California and pitch a big game. 
you know, that's what he's here for. That's what you're paying him all the money for against a good lineup like the Los Angeles Dodgers. So we'll see if the Yankees can respond a little bit later on this evening. You know, today also at City Field, they are, before the Mets play the Blue Jays, they're going to have Mets Hall of Fame Day, and they're going to induct the class here for 2023. I don't, they don't do it annually. Like, it's not like each and every year they put some new people in. But they do have a nice, sizable class here today. And you got a couple of mainstays on the mic in Gary Cohen and Howie Rose, who have called Mets games for, like, forever. You know, if you're a certain age and you grew up, I mean, those are the only voices that you've ever known, you know, as Met broadcasters. So they have left, you know, as indelible an imprint on this franchise as some of the players have. Let's face it. So very well-deserving for those two gentlemen. Jay Harwitz, who was the longtime PR man, he's also going to be in the Hall of Fame and, again, more of a behind-the-scenes type of a role. But, you know, he's been here since the early 80s, for crying out loud, and, you know, is just a part of Mets history, uh, maybe not as much in the forefront, but certainly as any of these other guys. And then the players, you know, Al Leiter's going into the Mets Hall of Fame. And, you know, he had a good career with this team guy who grew up in you know down at the Jersey Shore grew up a Mets fan and you know broke in as a Yankee as a matter of fact and made a couple of stops along the way you know was a Blue Jay was a part of that team that won world championships um, back there in the early 90s then he went to the Marlins and it was a part of that team that won a World Series in Florida in 1997 of course and I remember when the Mets signed them it was kind of like uh, you know, I remember at the time, like, not being, like, overly enthused. It's like, oh, well, okay. You mean, like, the guy who was a former Yankee once upon a time? Because remember, back in the day, you didn't have satellite TV. You didn't have the Internet. So you weren't really seeing these guys and, you know, pitch or play on a, on a fairly regular basis, not like you do now. And, you know, I, I wasn't exactly, like, over the moon, I remember, when Leiter signed with the Mets. But... He had a great career with this team. He really and truly did. And, and it was close to, you know, that number one guy at the time. And, and, and he stepped up and, you know, pitched a lot of big games for this team. Of course, the one that stands out was in 99, that game 163 in Cincinnati against the Reds when he pitched that complete game gem at the old Riverfront Stadium, getting them into the postseason. And, you know, they went all the way to the NLCS before they bowed out against the Braves. Then the next year he was a part of that champion, uh, the league championship team that went to the Subway Series and lost to the Yanks um, in 2000. Of course, unfortunately for him, he was on the mound in game one, where, you know, he would have been in position for a W, but Armando Benitez coughed that one up, um, blowing the save in the ninth inning. Yankees win it in extras, Jose Vizcaino. And then he was on the mound, of course, for that game five and left it all out on, the ten, uh, out on that mound at uh, Shea Stadium and gave up that dribbler, you know, that, like, 98 hopper up the middle from Luis Soho, which ultimately brought in the winning run, and, you know, that was all she wrote there. But, but very, very deserving. Um, I, I think if you're... You know, it's something extra special as far as the fan base is concerned, you know, with that relationship with certain players, if you're a part of a winner. And I don't even think necessarily a champion because not everybody can, you know, win a ring. But if you're a part of a team that goes to the playoffs, you know, has some moments in the postseason, that's going to leave a greater mark. And then lastly, you know, you got Howard Johnson, Hojo, who's going into the, uh, the Met Hall of Fame today. And, you know, Hojo is a guy who... I, I always said, and I was talking about this last night, and anytime you bring up Hojo and, and his history with the Mets and, and the franchise, to me, he's one of the more underrated Mets. And it's really cool that he gets the recognition today by going into the Hall of Fame because, you know, for those that weren't old enough to remember, you know, his prime years, which was, you know, like the late 80s, early 90s, Hojo was a really good player. 
like a really, really good player. This is a guy who was, you know, a three-time 30-30 guy. And, and, and that's rarefied air. You know, when you think about the Mets franchise, guys who have done it, you know, Daryl Strawberry, I think, only did it once. Hojo did it three times. And then the only player that was ever a 30-30 guy for the Mets since Hojo was, I think, David Wright, and he did it one time. So, so think about how rare that is. Hojo was a really, really good player. You know, one year led the National League in home runs and RBIs. Really he had some good power, switch hitter from both sides of the plate. The, the reason why I think Hojo and his place in Mets history kind of like is overlooked a little bit, a couple of things. Number one, yes, he was a member of that 86 team that won it all, but he wasn't an everyday player on that 86 team. Ironically enough, if you go back and you watch the video and whatnot, the famous game six play in the World Series, Mookie Wilson, Bill Buckner, Hojo was the on-deck hitter. So if somehow, some way, that game still went on and, and Hojo came to bat, who knows? He would have had maybe another opportunity to leave his mark, you know, in, on, on that series and in kind of Met history a little bit. He was the on-deck hitter. But the other thing is, is that, you know, Hojo's big years with the Mets, you know, 87 was a big year for him. You know, 89 was a big year. 91, when he had that huge year, he led the league in, you know, RBIs and home runs. He finished fifth in the MVP. In, in 89 and 91, like I said, big years. Neither one of those years, the Mets made the playoffs. Remember, this was pre-wild card. So, you know, that's when the Pittsburgh Pirates teams kind of got their act together and they started to come of age when it was Barry Bonds and Bobby Bonilla and Andy Van Slyke and Doug Drabeck, you know, the Jim Leland teams. And they would fall short to those clubs there. So he was a really, really good player doing things individually, but he was part of clubs that fell short. And it was kind of that that changing of the guard a little bit where you had that championship core from 86 that started to get a little bit older and they moved on from those guys like Keith and Gary and then Daryl ultimately left to, you know, sign as a free agent with the Dodgers and, and, and just little by little, it started to disintegrate there. And, you know, Hojo kind of, you know, stuck it out, if you will. And then like at the end of his career, they tried to just to, to, to try to keep his bat in the lineup. I remember that worst team money could buy team in 92. They had him. They tried him in center field for crying out loud because they went and spent all that money, you know, bringing in, you know, the Benias, the, the, the Eddie Murray's and, you know, Willie Randolph. I mean, just so they, they wanted to keep him around and they tried him in the outfield. That didn't go all that well, but. Good to see those guys getting recognized today, and uh, hopefully the weather's going to cooperate and allow them to have a nice little ceremony today uh, out there at City Field. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. More of your phone calls. We'll also get into some football, a little Stanley Cup final preview, too, which gets underway tonight. Dan Gross' show, Till the Top, right here on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. 
Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Harvey, you know what time it is? What time is it? It is time for MLB Round Trippers. Oh. That's right. That's right. Driven. You know who it's driven by, right? No, you know who tell it's driven me. By? I'm going to tell you if you don't know. It's driven by Coach USA. That's oh, right. Coach. Here you go. Here's your round trippers. You know what? There were a few of them last night in that old Yankee game. How about Josh Donaldson fresh off the I.O.? He had a couple of them. He's up to three for the season. John Carlos Stanton, the California native, he hits his fifth of the year. Over at City Field, well, the Mets didn't score a run, but a couple of Blue Jays hit one out of the yard. You had George Springer leading off the game his eighth. Dalton Barshow, the first-year Blue Jay, hitting his ninth of the season. And you know what? They call that MLB Round Trippers, driven by Coach USA. Make your commute to the city easy on a Coach USA bus. For schedules and fares, go to CoachUSA.com or download the Coach USA app to buy, store, and scan your tickets. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let us say hi, how are you, to Richard in Manhattan. Richard, good morning. How are you? Dan, hi. I'm enjoying the NBA Finals. Actually, I'm enjoying, in particular, Denver's run. Now, just think of it. This team, the game, game one, they only hit eight three-pointers. When was the last time an NBA team won by 11 points and hit eight three-pointers? They said it was impossible. You need superstars. You need three-point shooting, which you do. But what I love about it is Denver's going to prove everybody wrong if they win the series. They don't have it. Well, you would call Jokic a, true, a superstar, but still not in the sense of, you know, a Kobe or a Michael or a LeBron or a Durant, not even a Kyrie Irving, a dominant ball player, you know. So it's been wonderful to watch. They seem like the type of team that, ha- you know, is a little more brainier than other teams. But the way they pass high post, they take good shots. It's just wonderful to watch a different brand of basketball. Now, I grew up with the 60, well, I grew up before that, but the 69-70 Knicks and then the, subsequently the 72-73 Knicks. More than them winning, Dan, they used to talk about how intelligent the team was, how they were so selfless. Pass the ball, open man, shoot when you're open, see the, uh, see the cutting man, and uh, nobody took individual honors. That's when basketball, and it still is a team game, but of course, you know, we've been gravitated, and I don't think this, this is not going to sustain. Denver cannot sustain a dynasty, you know, playing the way they're playing. I'm not fooled at all. First of all, three-point baskets still make more sense than two-point baskets, so that's the way the NBA game is going to be. But for a year or two, every just like 20 years ago, 21 years ago, when the Pistons won without a superstar, that mm-hmm. was great. But this team here, this Denver teams, I go back to the 79 Seattle C- Seattle uh, Supersonics with Jack Sigma oh, playing yeah. the center like Jokic. Jack and Lonnie Sigma Shelton was the forward like Porter. And Dennis Johnson like uh, Jamal mm. Murray playing the guard. Same type of construction. See, Jokic is a high post, high point, uh, 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 high post center. And where in the NBA have you seen that, a dominant high post center? You have Jabbar, you had Tim Duncan, you had Shaq. You had all these low post guys that dominated the game. This guy is a one-in-a-thousand type of player. It's been so, I love to see it because it's so different. And
and it brings basketball back to the time where it really was a team game. Now, obviously, the best team is usually with the best players, but you can't tell me that uh, this uh, Denver team has two superstars on their team. They're just playing great basketball, and it's wonderful to watch. I mean, I really love it. And I, Richard, I'm you know what really they got? They got, a, they got a superstar, and thank you for the phone call. You know, they got a superstar, and they got, you know, I, I would say, you know, another all-star caliber player in Jamal Murray. And nowadays in the NBA, that'll t- see Denver's also one of these unique teams. Like, think about how Michael Malone utilizes his roster. He doesn't go very deep on his bench, does he? You know, Spolster plays a lot more guys than Michael Malone does. There were only like two other guys who got off the bench the other night for the Nuggets. You know, Jokic is playing 40 minutes. Jamal Murray's playing over 40 minutes. Uh, you know, Porter play. His starters play a ton. You know, look, and if they can hack it, so be it. No need to change, but you're not going to have a, a night like that where everything is going your way. You hope you do, but it might not play out that way. And as I said a little bit earlier when we were talking about the game, yes, it's a little bit of an anomaly, when you, especially in this day and age, when you see a team like the Denver Nuggets shoot 8 of 27 from 3 and still win a game in the NBA Finals rather comfortably. But you know what they did? They shot 62% from 2. And if you're getting good looks, and if you're getting in the paint, high percentage shots, you know what? As long as it goes through the damn basket, that's all that matters. You know, give me a made two over a missed three any day of the week. You know, Miami, on the other hand, think about even in like the Eastern Conference Finals, more often than not, in that series against the Celtics, and and in the series against the Knicks. When Miami wasn't making their threes, they weren't winning the games, right? That was like their undoing. This Denver team, you know, like the term I I think is appropriate, is a little bit of an anomaly. But guess what? It's worked for them. And this is who they are. This is their identity. Let's say hi to Josh in Brooklyn, who is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Josh, good morning. What's going on? Hey, what's up? Good morning, Dan. How are you doing? Josh, I'm doing Um, outstanding. What's up? What's up? Uh, So I have a Mets and Yankees playing, but if you want, I can give you some insight on the show beef that's going on. Oh, here we go. I can make it quick if you want. Wait, wait, time out. Time out one second. Harvey, here's what we got to do for when is when is the next show? Monday, right? We have to come up with some sort of a theme. Like we need like a bed or something like anytime there's this like drama and we get some of these like drama feud calls. I don't know if it's like one of those like, you know, like soap opera themes or something. We have to have something ready to be playing underneath. So, so let's think about that for Monday. All right, Josh, continue. <laughs> what do you want me to start at? Like, like as the world turns or something like that. You know, that's what we need. <laughs> so, so it started a while ago with the, um, with, with the, the guys on the K show, mainly Michael and not, not Michael, it was Peter and um, Don. They were just getting annoyed with every time the guys called in, they thought of with the company, the company, the company. They got annoyed with that. So they called them a cult, and that didn't go over well. Um, that so didn't the go cult, over well. first off, the guys had a problem with yeah. when they do the shout-out for the company thing, which I think is completely yeah. harmless. There's nothing wrong with that. It's literally like two and a half seconds. Then they said yeah. the, the cult term that they threw out there, that rubbed the company right. the wrong way, and that's right. what set off these fisticuffs apparently. That's that set off, and then there's a whole thing now with Peter's wedding, and he did he he didn't invite the two guys, he only invited RJ, and he's been going on about the thing, but he made it public, you know, about of of the whole reservation thing about if he can't invite, um, if some guys don't come, then they'll be on the second list, but you know they took the second list thing personal, 
So well, then they see, have like a, see, that's I a, heard a little bit about this in passing, right? The first of all, the thing with the wedding, and look, I wish Peter nothing but happiness, health, you know, good times. You know, I went through it myself. Okay, you know, the, the wedding is a pain in the ass. It it really and truly is. But for like grown people to actually get all bent out of shape about getting invited or not getting invited to a wedding, like who the hell cares? Like not like yeah. I'm not. I wasn't invited to the wedding, and I'll be honest with you, I wasn't expected to be invited f- to the wedding. Yeah. Good times. But I almost feel as if it's like a, <laughs> a, it's like a weight off your shoulders. You know, because yeah. it's it's a weekend in the summer. Summer weekends are precious. The weather's nice. You want to go out there and maximize it and enjoy it as much as possible to not have to be weighed down and committed to actually go someplace where you got to dress up and schlep and then you got to pay money. Like, you know, he's, it's almost like he's doing you a favor. That's how I would look at it if he's not inviting you. Yeah. And then I don't know. I don't know why they wanted to go because they throw shots back and forth for a day. I don't understand. But then there was another thing about – um. Uh, I guess Peter texted the two guys, and he texted them. Well, his thing is that he texted them as a friend. He texted them as a friend um, trying to give them show advice. I'm not sure what the advice was. Nobody, they haven't said anything public about it. And they took that offense as if, you know, he shouldn't really be talking about um, giving any updates on what the show should be doing. And I don't know. That's been going on. So then it's funny that Drew got involved in it because Don actually on Thursday, I believe, tried to, like, when, when Michael wasn't there, he called um he called um Rick after their whole show gathering to to um make it so he can talk with Peter. So he tried to get the kumbaya moment from then. And then I don't know how it got to your show today, but this that the whole back and forth with the it, both, Josh, it's been like Josh, it was like this last night. It, yeah. it, it's, <laughs> I, it started last night. I don't remember I no, I don't think it started on Thursday, because Thursday we had the short show because we had the NBA finals. But no, it started last night. It bled over into today, and I'm just sitting here, like I said, I- I'm the guy just minding my own business, <laughs> doing my little program here, and then, uh, and now all of a sudden I'm in the middle of this, and I don't know how. Yeah. So I got to mention Yankees yeah. point. Um, the, yeah. the, the quick Yankees point is that, is that when you – the guys, everybody's only complaining today because Donaldson and Stanton were the only guys that scored for the, the team yesterday, and I guarantee if they were to lose, they were going to be the main ones because they came back, and nobody on the Yankees likes them. They were going to be the main target today. But because they're the only ones that actually scored, it, it probably it, it put a damper into everybody's plans. So now they're picking on Volpe, which they shouldn't have, which they shouldn't be, and it's not really fair on the other young guy. He's a rookie. Um, and next point, I'm just kind of disappointed in Francisco Lindor. He's, he's, he's here for big money. He's here as a star for the team. He has – he's that's I, that's what they brought him here for. He's supposed to be the face of the team. And he's not really done that. He hasn't really – when you expect, like, somebody to, to just score and carry and, you know, just to be the face of the team, he's not really that guy. He's been great defensively. He's been a great shortstop defensively. But sometimes he's 0-4 every day. He's 0-3 or he has one in a flyout or something like that. And it's just what he's, what he's supposed to do with his team – he hasn't done it, so I, I'm I'm going to be really intrigued at what they do. I know they're not going to trade him. I'm not I'm not going to trade him. No. Right, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm, really, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued what they're going to do with the trade deadline. Is what I'm saying. So I'm pretty. I know Vogelback's probably the big one out, and I just really want to know what they're going to do because I'm pretty sure um they, they they need upgrades in a lot of departments. But I just I'm just disappointed in what Francisco Lindor's for the team. I appreciate the call. Thanks, man. No, J- Josh, you have it. You're entitled to it. I thank you for the phone call. The thing is this with Lindor. Like the Lindor thing is is tricky because I feel as if my understanding is I, I think depending on 
your age. If you're one of these, like, young teenager, you know, 20-something Met fans who grew up in the Internet and the social media age or whatever, you love Lindor. You know, he's Mr. Cool Guy with the different colored hair and all this other stuff. He's flashy, and, you know, you, you love Lindor. Mr. Smiles, the whole nine yards. So you think that Lindor could do no wrong. Other people look at it as, wait a second. I don't care what this guy did in Cleveland before he got here. Mets made a trade to bring in this guy, and before they even went out on a first date, they gave him $340 million. I think that's the issue here, is that you made this unbelievable commitment to a guy that never even played a game for you yet. And let's be real, for the couple of years that he's been here, has he lived up to that contract? Absolutely not. Now, he hasn't been a bust. I'm not saying that. Would you like to see that average a little bit higher? Absolutely. Would you like to see the on-base percentage a little bit higher? Absolutely. You know, he plays a a good shortstop defensively, but you know what? You're not paying $340 million for his glove. You're paying for his bat. Because during his days in Cleveland, he was one of the most productive shortstops offensively in all of Major League Baseball. This guy was like 35 and 90 and, you know, finishing in the top, you know, 5-6 in the MVP on more than one occasion. We have not seen that guy yet here. You know, he's on a pace this year to have well over 100 RBIs, which is great, but you need a little bit more. Need a little bit more. That's it. It's as simple as that. And, and look, they're not trading him. No, first of all, the Mets aren't trading him. And number two, you think there's any team in baseball that would take that contract off the Mets' hands? No way. Not going anywhere anytime soon. As far as the deadline is concerned, I would hope that the front office learned their mistakes from a year ago to where they took more of a – controlled approach to the deadline and tried it to go, you know, Darren Ruff, Daniel Vogelback, Tyler Naquin, Michael Givens. They got to do a better job this year, and I think that they will. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. How about a little Stanley Cup preview talk when we return? Grasser Show till the top right here on 9870 ESPN. Do you have a client waiting for you right now, Richard? Yeah, she's in the chair, but she'll wait. She's fine with it. <laughs> We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll get back to the calls here in just a sec. A lot of people, might surprise you, of course, a lot of people have not just jumped on, you know, and, and not just like those one-way tickets. It it's basically one-way tickets. People have bought one-way tickets for the Jet bandwagon for the upcoming season. I I mean, like, they've got 
you know, the deluxe seats, the whole nine yards. They got meals, food, everything your heart could desire. They've got primo seating on the Jet bandwagon now with Aaron Rodgers in tow. And they think this is going to be a, a, you know, a special season, as we all hope it is. But even some folks that maybe you wouldn't necessarily think that would be high on the Jets and maybe historically never really thought too much about, you know, the Jets or spoke about them in positive tones like none other than how about one of their ultimate foils over the last two decades? Guy by the name of Brady, Thomas. That's right. Here's Tom Brady talking to SI now about Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. He's one of the great quarterbacks to ever play the game. So him going to a new place uh, with a new opportunity to go out there and prove himself, I think he's going to do a great job. It's a tough division they're playing in. They've got the Patriots. They've got the Dolphins. They've got the Bills, who have been great. It's always tough to bet against Aaron Rodgers, too, because of how uh, prolific he is as both a passer and he's a Super Bowl champion. So it's going to be a great division to watch. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Now, ultimately, you know, the last time these guys squared off in a big match, the NFC Championship game in 2020, Brady and the Buccaneers went into Lambeau Field and they beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Um, But during Brady's Patriot days, I got to look it up. I can almost swear that Rodgers got the better of Brady in those games. Like, I think that the, the Packers did well against the Patriots. A lot of those years, you know, when Rodgers and Brady were at the top of their game, I think that, the, the, you know, the Pats did OK. Could be wrong, though. I've got to check it out. Um, well, it wasn't just Tom Brady, you know, and another guy who had plenty of battles over the years with the Jets. That would be Peyton Manning. And he appeared with our buddy Stephen A. on Stephen A.'s world and also is thumbs up on the move of Aaron to New York. I like Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. He's excited. I like the fact that he knows the system. Hackett's the coordinator. Aaron's going to be able to speak the language. He's going to be able to know the system better than anybody in that huddle. He's going to be able to play fast. He's not going to be thinking out there. And I saw him recently at the Kentucky Derby. I can tell he feels rejuvenated. I like the Jets this year. Ah, Look at that. Peyton likes the Jets this year. Well, we hope so. And and that's the big difference to me. You know, because everybody, you know, wants to – that chooses to throw cold water on this and say, well, it's not going to work out. How could it work out? It's the Jets, right? They always bring up the Brett Favre from 15 years ago and how that kind of didn't exactly go the way anybody wanted it to. Big difference, well, a couple of differences. Number one, Favre happened way late in the process. Remember, it happened in August when training camp was already underway. This happened still in the offseason where you see Rodgers is already there at OTAs and is a part and getting acclimated to his new teammates and bonding and going to Taylor Swift concerts. And he's helping with the install of the offense, which is key. And that's also, I think, the biggest component to this. Rodgers knows the damn offense. It's his system. It's his scheme. One he's been playing for years. Brett Favre, he just showed up when training camp and preseason were already underway and had no idea what the offense was. So they were basically like making it up as they went along. And they still did pretty good up and through November, and then things went belly up when Favre got hurt. So that being said, if Rodgers could just stay in one piece and remain healthy, this thing should fire this year. You know, and we're going to have a lot of fun Sundays and a lot of fun broadcast. Well, I can't even say Sundays anymore. It's going to be a lot of Mondays and Thursdays. Hell, there's even a Friday game this year. I'm going to have to get used to that. Not a, You guys know this. I'm not a fan of the Black Friday game. I'm, I'm, I'm just not. Not a fan. But you know what? I got no choice. What can I do? They didn't consult me when they made the schedule. Didn't ask me. Uh, let us say hi to... Frank in New Rochelle. He's up next here on 98.7. Hey, Frank, how are you? 
Hey, what's up, bud? Um, a couple of things. Denver, um, this is a mismatch in the final. Uh, I, I know Miami's had a great run, but I think the run is over. Uh, Joker's just too good. You can't guard him, and he's the most unselfish big guy I've ever really seen. I know Walton was a great passer back in the day, but I've never seen a guy like this that can really take over a game and not really score, even though he does score eventually. Um, his ability to see the floor is really unprecedented for a guy his size. I don't think I've ever seen anybody like that. You know who was the best? You know who was the best passing big man that I ever saw, like before Jokic. Um, and unfortunately, by the time he got to the NBA, he wasn't even like in his prime anymore. Remember Arvidas Sabonis? Oh yes, yes, yeah, Sabonis was, and he was past his prime. You're right. Um, when he went he, to he Portland. Was, Yep, he was a great passer, an unbelievable passer. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. A quick comment about the Yankees, if I could. Yeah. You know, Stanton and Donaldson, you know, you talk about Lindor and the Mets, and he's been 230 or whatever and hasn't lived up, but I agree with you a 1,000%. Uh, Stanton, they never needed Stanton. You know, I have no knock against Stanton. In other words, he seems like a good guy, uh, but he batted 211 last year. Sometimes he goes through stretches where he carries the team. And other times he looks like he's a little league ball player that just doesn't look like he's a player. And Donaldson is the price you pay for the Sanchez trade. So Yankee fans like myself have to hope that Stanton and Donaldson, because they're going to play every day. I mean, they're healthy. They're getting paid a lot of money. They're going to be on the, in, the, in the field. Donaldson will take over third base and play every single day. And I just hope he has a little left in the tank more than he did last year. He had a great, great year in the field. But at the bat, he was painful to watch, and they put him out there every day. So hopefully he'll, you know, be rejuvenated, maybe a couple of months off uh, off the injured list and uh, ready to roll because I agree with you also. They have not had their full squad together, and um, I don't know if we're ever going to see it. <laughs> the way Rodon is not pitching, and it's just a shame. I guess that's just the way it goes. But I, I don't know if other teams have all these injuries. I don't, you know, I don't follow every team in their injury report. But, boy, the Yankees have had their fair share, to say the least. Have a great well, day. You know thanks what it is? Frank, thanks for the phone call. I appreciate it. Look, everybody deals with injuries. What you want to mitigate as much as possible is you don't want it to be key positions, key players. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, I know that Rodon is hurt. You know, Montas, God knows if he's going to throw a pitch this year for them. You want to keep your pitching healthy. Like Tampa Bay right now, okay, they got the best record in baseball. They're down two starting pitchers, two good ones too. But yet they're finding a way to win games, right? I would rather have subtractions to guys, let's say, even in my lineup as opposed to some, you know, horses in my rotation. Like for the Yankees, for example, if they want to win a championship, they're going to need these guys to get back in. Like Rodon has to be Rodon this year. He has to be what they're paying him for, or else they have no shot. You know, these guys like Donaldson and Stanton, remember, before they even got back in the lineup, the Yankees were scoring runs. They were beating teams. It's not like, it's not like the Yankees were struggling. You know, they were still like, what, 10 games over 500 before these guys even got back in the lineup. The thing with Stanton, I don't want to sound like, you know, revisionist history or whatever, but let's face it, did they need Giancarlo Stanton? The answer is no. Giancarlo Stanton was a luxury for this team. Remember, it was coming off of that, you know, right after 2017, Stanton had himself the big year with the Marlins. He won the MVP in the National League, but he had already signed that ridiculously large contract, which we all knew was never going to last 
down at the Marlins, and he just fell into the Yankees' lap, right? They had their big bopper already in Judge. You did not need a Stanton. They were basically two of the same player, except Judge is a little bit more useful, of course, in the field. But since the Marlins were picking up some of the money, the Yankees said, ah, hell, why not? You know, we'll take him. And all of a sudden, you got Judge and Stanton on the cover of the magazines and on the posters and the Bash Brothers and Let's Sell Tickets and blah, 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 blah. I think Stanton's acquisition for the Yankees was more just as much box office as it was baseball. I, I, I'm serious. And I don't think you could say that it's worked out because Stanton's probably spent half his time as a Yankee on the injured list than he has even on the field contributing. And by the way, uh, Frank mentioned Gary Sanchez. I don't know if you guys have followed. And I'm not saying you you can't blame the Mets. You can't blame the Yankees. But so Gary Sanchez, Minnesota let him go, right? Then he ends up with the Giants. They let him go. He ends up with the Mets. They let him go. Now he lands with the San Diego Padres. And believe it or not, he's actually had a good week as a Padre. You know, he hit a couple of home runs. He was driving in runs. I mean, let's see if it lasts. But, you know, Gary Sanchez, what would, it, what, what would this be? One, two, the fifth time's a charm for Gary Sanchez that it's finally going to stick for him. All right, we'll close it out with you guys on the phones, and we'll give you a quick little Stanley Cup final preview and prediction as well. Grasa Show till the top right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN. A couple of more minutes, and we're going to hand things over to Anita Marks. She will take you, then followed by Pat O'Keefe at 3. He goes until 6.30. And then at 6.30, you get to hear the Yankees and Dodgers coming up tonight from Chavez Ravine. You get to hear it right here on 98.7. So good news for all the baseball fans, the Yanks fans. You get to hear them tonight right here on this fine station. Tonight, you also get Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Not on this channel, but, you know, on TV, of course. And it's uh, TNT has the Cup Finals this year. So you hear our good buddy Kenny uh, on the mic. On the call for the Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights. I think it'll be a fun series. Now, there's a difference between it being a fun series, a good series for hockey, and it being, you know, captured by the masses in terms of appeal. I don't know if that's going to happen. The Florida Panthers, the Vegas Golden Knights are not exactly a couple of national brands. Throw in the fact, and I know that things have changed, and I know it's a new world and all these other things, but throw in the fact that the games are on TNT – And I don't know how many people are going to naturally be inclined to go seek out the game there. Hockey fan is going to find it. But, you know, with ESPN being back in the hockey game and they've seen playoff games on ABC, they probably think that, oh, why isn't it on ABC? Well, it's on TNT if you want to find it. Uh, Each of these teams has been in the cup final once before. You know, Vegas is an expansion team a few years back. Florida, you got to go back to, you know, the mid-90s. But neither one of them won a championship yet. So we're going to have a first-time Stanley Cup champ regardless of what the outcome is going to be. And, and there's, despite the fact that Florida was that eighth seed and kind of came out of nowhere to make it this far, there are a lot of parallels in a way, right? Because both of these teams are going to have goalies that are in the pipes tonight, and neither one of them started the playoffs as that team's starting goalie. But Brovsky didn't come in until, like, the third game of that opening round series. You know, Hill, for crying out loud, geez, he began the season like fourth on their depth chart, Aiden Hill. You know, so it's funny how over the course of a season, over the course of a playoff run, the longer you stay into it, you never know what could potentially happen here. Um, I think it'll be a fun series. I think it'll be an entertaining series. I think it's Vegas' time, though. 
And not to say that the layoff or anything like that is going to play a role or decide this or the fact that, you know, Florida's an eighth seed, um, you know, because we've seen teams like that win cups. I mean, the Kings team that won it in 12 when they beat Jersey in the, in the finals, they were an eighth seed. They had rolled over everybody in route to the Stanley Cup finals, and, and they won it. So it's still possible. I just think that this Vegas team is too balanced. You know, they roll the four lines. They can score in, in, in droves. They don't rely on just, you know, one line or even two lines to necessarily produce offense for them. And I also, I, I'm a big believer in the irony factor with Bruce Cassidy, you know, behind the bench for the Golden Knights. This is a guy who, you know, was behind the bench for the Bruins all those years, never won the cup, okay, but they made him the scapegoat after last year. Boston goes out and has themselves a record-setting season this year, best regular season in the history of the sport. What happens? They lose in the opening round to none other than this Florida Panthers team. Bruce Cassidy gets a job taking over the Vegas Golden Knights, gets them to the Stanley Cup Finals in his first year, and now who does he meet? For a chance to win his first cup as a head coach, the team that took out the Boston Bruins that fired him. I like all this connect the dots thing. I'll buy into that. I'll say Vegas in six. They win the cup and uh, probably going to be a big old party out there in Sin City. That's what I think. Uh, all right, let's close it out with you guys on the phones. Louie in the car up next here on 98.7. What's up, Lou? How you doing? Hey, Dan, how's it going? Um, I wanted to make two baseball statements and then maybe fill in the holes on that guy who was trying to just, uh, uh, just tell, tell you about the beef between the DNR and the Michael K. Show. You only got about a minute, Louie. Let's make it quick. Let's go. All right. Uh, two baseball statements. My great-grandmother, which, uh, my great-grandmother and my grandfather, who introduced me to baseball, she, Howard Johnson was a favorite, play, favorite player. Uh, the Yankees. Hojo, good met. Really good met. Guys, yeah, guys complaining about um, Ryan Cashman. Uh, I was a fan when we just had Don Mattingly, and I saw what he did for us. So, I mean, that for me, that that I don't complain about Brian Cashman. The thing I want to say about the thing when he missed out was it really started when Rick and Michael K had this bromance because you would see that the people on the, the, the morning show would try to talk about Michael K and Rick would defend him, and the people on the Michael K show would try to talk about Rick and Michael would defend him. And then the other part he forgot about was Dave actually invited Peter to his son's bar mitzvah, and that's why he feels kind of messed up about not getting invited to the wedding. That's oh, so gotcha. it's a little bit. Of, yeah, you know, it's, and Peter and Dave are actually friends. They're all friends. So everybody's thinking like it's a real beef. It's not a real beef. They're all friends, and everything is all good because I heard both of them say they wish each other the best. But it's just I will say, I will say, Louie, I will say this, though, real quick, and, and I got to let you go because the show's almost over, but I thank you for the phone call. I will say this. I don't, I wouldn't equate a bar mitzvah and a wedding because a wedding is, and I've, and uh, let the truth be told, I've never been to a bar mitzvah before. I don't think I have. I would assume a wedding is way more expensive than a bar mitzvah. So I, I, I wouldn't necessarily, just because you invited somebody to one thing versus you invite somebody, it's fair you invite them and return the favor to another thing. I, I don't know if that plays true. At least not in my mind. But, again, if you don't, let me tell you, if you don't get invited to something, I wouldn't shed a tear over it. You know, look at it as they're doing you a favor. You don't have to give up an entire day. You don't got to get all dressed up. You don't have to dig deep in your pocket because you're not just going to show up empty-handed. You know, you have to give a nice gift. You know, pay for your plate, maybe a little bit more, that whole type of thing. They're doing you a favor. No reason to cry over spilled milk. All right. Um, we got to go clean up ours, and that's the end of the show. I want to thank everybody that was a part of this program. You guys are right. You really are. We'll do it again on Monday, full show, 7 p.m., right after TMKS. 
Thanks to Harvey. Thanks to Joe. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, everybody. Anita's coming up next. Dan Gross is saying so long. 98.7 ESPN. Um, okay, sir. So, so what you're saying is, is that th this is a this is a radio program.